fancy job, and it makes a man watchful and a little lonely. Come on in for an evening of poems and stories about the American West. A land of legend, of romance, of friendship and courage. A mother load of remembrance. A true showcase of the Old West with the old cowboy, J.C. Holsey. You remember last week when I mentioned how I felt about the movies showing the cowboys making camp and winding up with beans and bacon and coffee and they didn't have a pack animal? Let's talk about how much a horse could really carry. A horse can carry an average sized man in his saddle, around 140 to 190 pound man in his 30 to 40 pound saddle or plenty. If we tie on a coat and a canteen, maybe a rifle, then you got a full load. You could use saddlebags, however no prudent man loads his riding saddle with provisions for a week on the trail. If he stuffed his saddlebags with 50 or so pounds of extra weight plus his bedroll, he'd risk soaring the horse's back by putting too much weight behind the cantle in the seat and it would probably bruise the horse's kidneys. If a man is going to be riding a long way, with no stops for meals, no lodging, so forth, he'd bring a pack animal. So he could pack his bedroll, meaning a canvas tarp and at least two blankets, or quilts, maybe more for padding, plus extra pants, shirt, and underwear, a rain slicker, extra ammunition, food for several days, so forth and so on. I guess what I'm trying to tell you is the movies ain't telling us the truth. This week we got a very talented young lady singing an original song. This is Nicole Unser singing Smokin'. Okay. 
she good or not you know nicole bought a guitar and learned to play it watching youtube videos how many of you got your copy of blood on the plains by john d Fye jr this past week did you enjoy it and tell your friends about it if you didn't why didn't you now this week i'm going to tell you about a book that isn't published yet it's called the medicine tree by outlaws publishing newest author travis mcgoy you're asking if it's not published yet, then why am I telling you about it? I'm telling you because I want you to be watching for it. As soon as it hits the market, you need to get you a copy. And again, tell all your friends and your neighbors about it. I'm eagerly awaiting for your review of this great story. Don't worry, I'll give you a heads up a couple of days before it shows up on Amazon. I know I probably sound like a broken record sometimes, but it's a passion of mine to get you to send your story ideas to me and let me share what you have with our listeners. Send an email, jc at outlawspublishing.com. I hear from a lot of folks how they've always wanted to write. Some even have stories or notes hidden away in their closet. You remember what the Bible said about hiding your light under a bushel? Don't hide your talent away. Dig it out, and let's share it with the world. Send that email, jc at outlawspublishing.com. What is this fascination, or should I say addiction, to cell phones? When I was a kid, we didn't have a phone. When I left home at 17 years of age, there still wasn't a phone in our house. How in the world did we ever survive without a phone? If I wanted to call a girl to make a date, I'd go to the gas station and call on a pay phone for a nickel. When I got married, we didn't have a phone until we got out of the Air Force. How did my wife get a hold of me if there was an emergency? Well, she had to take care of it herself and wait for me to get home and tell me about it. Even after we got a phone, it wasn't used to just call a friend to talk. It was used to take care of business. When I had a job out in the country, there was no communication with my wife until I got home. How did we survive? When cell phones became popular, I refused to get one. The reason for that is I got one the same day my wife got one. I was on my way home from work. I was about 10 miles away from home, and the cell phone wouldn't connect to my wife's phone. I had quite a hassle getting the phone company to cancel that contract. I've been without a cell phone until just a few months ago. 
I thought since I'm going to be traveling to book signings, I probably needed one. So I purchased a Windows phone at Walmart. I bought a 45-day pay-as-you-go card. Everything went fine until I received a text message 30 days later that I owed more money. Well, I called the phone company. They informed me that in my area, a prepaid card was good for only 30 days. But I paid extra to get more time. The agent told me when I buy a prepaid card to only buy the 30-day one. However, he did give me a free month's service for the trouble that I had. Our guest author today is James D. Best, author of the Steve Dancy Tales. Also, Tempest at Dawn, Principled Actions, The Shut Mouth Society, and The Digital Organization. James has written monthly columns for two magazines. He's ghostwritten several books and published numerous journal articles. He lives with his wife, Diane, in Omaha, Nebraska. We're so glad to have with us today on the Wild West Showdown, Mr. James D. Best, author of the Dancy series. Welcome, Mr. Best. Thank you. Glad to be on the show. Are you married? Do you have a family? Uh, yes, I'm married. Uh, we're coming up on the next year. will be our 50th anniversary, so it's it's been a couple of years. <laughs> and I have two children and uh, six grandchildren three in New York City and three in Omaha, Nebraska, where I live now. What does your family think of what you do? I dedicate a lot of the books to the kids, uh, but I won't allow them to read them. They're all very young, uh, they're six to nine years old. Probably in a year or two, a nine-year-old will uh, be able to read them. My uh, granddaughter one day asked me if I was famous when she was looking at all my books, and I told her I was very famous, it just wasn't well known yet. Do you have any unique talents or hobbies? Surfing, I still surf actively. I, I would guess that might be an unusual hobby, especially for somebody 70 years old. But yeah, I still surf on a regular basis. You read other things besides Westerns, is that correct? Uh, yeah, in fact, I started, the first book I wrote was on the Constitutional Convention, a book called Tempest at Dawn. And it took me five years to write it. It was very fact-based very consistent with James Madison's notes on the Constitutional Convention. But after it was done, I secured an agent, and he was marking the book, and I just wanted something that was more of a flight of fancy. And so I, and I've always been fascinated by Westerns. And so I wrote a Western. I gave it to the agent, and he told me that the advance on a Western wouldn't make a decent down payment on a small Korean car. And so his 15% uh, wasn't too attractive to him. He suggested that I go ahead and self-publish it, and that's how I got into self-publishing mode. And I, after my experience with Wiley and the computer book, I really liked the uh, ability to just do what I want to do and be able to shape the book the way I want to shape it. And the fiction is that if you get with a big publisher, they're going to help you sell a book. But unless you're top of the list, that's not going to happen. You'll have to do all the marketing yourself. So I don't really see that much difference in a, um, a self-published book from a marketing standpoint and being published by a major traditional publisher. You said basically that your agent told you Westerns aren't good sellers. What do you think the reason for this is? I think most publishers thought they were a dead uh, area. I personally have had the opposite experience. So one of the things i found is now my Westerns outsell my other books by a long shot, and that's why I just keep writing them. People who are Western fans and enthusiasts for Westerns find you, and you don't have to do as much marketing. 
despite the big houses and all their publicity machines and everything else. So in a way, it's a smaller market, but it's a more enthusiastic market. So I, I, I like writing Westerns. They, there seems to be a, a bias against Westerns unless they happen to be, take place in space or in uh, a magical kingdom or something like that. And basically the, the themes of the Western are completely okay as long as we aren't in the American West. In my opinion, a Western is a historical novel that happens to take place in the Western United States, usually between the Civil War and 1900, but I, I like modern Westerns as well. I don't know why there's a uh, bias against them, but I think it's fading. Uh, there's been a number of uh, TV shows and movies, and, and I think that what we're seeing is the beginning of a, a trend in where the Western is becoming, again, a, a more popular genre. I can only hope so. I read where you ghostwrite. Now, some folks might not understand what that means. Did you write about ghost? No, it's not writing about ghosts. <laughs> ghostwriting is where I write the book, but somebody else puts their name on it. And then they paid me to write it, and, I've, uh, and those have been business books. I, I've actually written portions of two of Glenn Beck's books, one on Washington and another on um, Miracles and Massacres. And they approached me and wanted me to write about Little Bighorn because uh, I, I'd written about both those subjects. And that wasn't quite ghostwriting because they did give me writer credit in the title page. How many novels have you written? Let's see, there's five in the Steve Dancy series and two other, uh, Shutmouth Society and Tempest of Dawn, one on the Constitution, the other uh, contemporary action thriller, with a lot of historical stuff about Lincoln. So I guess that's seven novels. Total books I've written is eight under my own name. The other was called The Digital Organization by Wiley. How much time do you spend writing? I probably write anywhere between an hour and five hours a day. Okay. Over five hours, I find that I just write mush. But not too many years ago, I could go uh, 10 hours a day. Uh, but as I get older, I, I find that I need to shorten the day a little bit. But that includes Saturdays, Sundays, on almost every day I write. Did you wait till you retired to start writing Westerns? No, I actually was a full-time consultant and traveling a lot when I wrote my first Western, The Shopkeeper. Yeah, I started before I retired. And a lot of your books have the Steve Dancy character in them? Yes, I call it the Steve Dancy Tales, and there's five books in that series. It's a kind of unusual Western. I wanted to do something a little bit different, so instead of a saddle bum, he's very wealthy. He comes from the east, from New York City, rather than from the west. Actually, there's very few cowboys novels that's mostly about mining. Kind of a cross between a fish-out-of-water story and that he's an Easterner trying to survive in the Wild West, and then also a buddy story because there's three main characters in the book. Uh, Dancy, who was a shopkeeper in New York, although it was a very exclusive gun shop, and a character called uh, Captain McCallan, who is with the Pinkerton, and then Jeff Sharp, who is a mine owner and also very wealthy. So these are not the usual kind of characters you find in a Western. There are also different ages. The main character is 31, and Sharp is in his 50s, and Captain McCallan's in his 40s. Is this a continuing series, or are they standalone books? That's an interesting question. It's almost like they're not a series so much as a continuation of the same story. Almost every story takes off right where the other one left off. There are five books, and they started in 1879, and it's now up to 1881. So it's, it's actually less few years uh, with the five books. You have other books besides the Steve Dancy Tales? 
Yeah, the Thriller, uh, Shutmouth Society, and then the Constitutional Convention, that novelization, Tempest of Dawn, are the other two. Those titles sound like a lot of work to me. Do you enjoy writing them as much as you enjoy Westerns? That's a good question. I, I, I wanted to write a sequel to Tempest of Dawn, and it was going to occur during the Civil War period, but it wasn't going to be a war novel. It was going to be a political novel having to do with the Constitution, how it was trained under the Civil War. But the Tempest of Dawn, I think it sold about 14,000 copies, but not enough to make me want to invest five years of my life to write the sequel. So a Western takes me about a year. I do do a lot of research in that, try and put in more history than I think most Western writers do. I think I enjoy them better because, uh, and I noticed one of your blogs you talk about being a storyteller, and when you do something very historical like a constitutional convention, you're trying to make real events and tell them as a story, and it's sometimes very difficult in staying true to the facts, whereas in a Western I can actually just be a storyteller. So I think bottom line after talking this through is, yeah, I prefer writing the Westerns. Every Western author that I talk to says the same thing. Do you use an outline or do you just let the story flow? This is going to sound a little different. I do believe that the most important part of uh, novels is storytelling. And so I usually write the story completely and then I go and do the research and then I rewrite it and incorporate the research. For example, in The Shopkeeper, it starts in a small mining town in southern Nevada and I had no idea what was in southern Nevada. When the book was done, I got some friends, and we took a road trip, and we visited all the ghost towns in southern Nevada. The one that fit the bill was a town called Candelaria, but they had a ravine called Pickhandle Gulch, and I preferred that name, so I used Pickhandle Gulch in the book. I don't outline the book. What I do is I, uh, I do a little write-up for myself, like a synopsis of where it starts and how it ends. So I know where it starts, I know where it ends, and I know the difficulties that they'll run into, the characters, uh, but then I let the characters pretty much dictate the story and how they get there. When I start writing, my characters take control of my story. They don't really do what I want them to do all the time. That's right, especially if you have good characters. They kind of got a mind of their own. They're real people. I had a gentleman tell me the other day, that's when you know it's a good story, when the characters take over. Yeah, if I could just emphasize, uh, one of the things I do is a lot of times I'll just put the characters in a situation, a room or a saloon or something like that, and, and then just let them be themselves. You mentioned you were self-published. Have you ever been turned down by any publishing companies? Well, I would say I'm a hybrid publisher right now. I've had three agents in, in my life, two in New York. Two of them were trying to sell a constitutional book never did uh, get that sold. And the other one actually uh, was a nonfiction agent, and he sold the first book to Wiley, a digital organization of nonfiction. I think of myself as a hybrid because although I self-published the Kindle in paper version, I have a pretty standard kind of contract for large print, although the Dancy theories are in large print for libraries, and there's, those are with Centerpoint. And then also uh, the first two books in the series are in audio by Books of Motion. Do you have a publicist, or do you handle all that yourself? Well, that's what I like about Westerns is uh, pretty much they find me. So no, I don't have a publicist. I do it myself. I, I do write a blog, and you know, I have a Facebook presence. If someone tells you they want to be an author, what do you tell them? 
Well, the first thing I do is I ask them if they like to write. I was at a writer's conference. I was a speaker at it, and somebody asked me, you know, where I get my inspiration. And I says, uh, I don't get inspired. And I gave them my opinion, uh, which is that, you know, you either love to write, and that's what you do, or you probably need to find a um, different creative outlet if you want to be creative. Because all the writers that I've known love writing. Uh, I used to be neighbors with Clive Kessler. I think he's in his 80s now, and he's still writing. Almost any author who's very famous and very wealthy, when they die, their relatives find an unfinished manuscript they were working on. So obviously they didn't need to continue writing for earn money. They didn't need to continue writing for fame. They just continued writing because that's what they love to do. If you want to be a writer, I think the first thing is you have to ask yourself, do I like writing? If I think it's work uh, and it's hard and I need to be inspired, then probably you need to look somewhere else. Are you working on anything new? Yes, I'm working on the sixth Steve Dancy book. Do we have a due date on it? It'll be before the Christmas shopping season for next year. I'm sure the Steve Dancy fans aren't too happy about that, but we got to do it the way we got to do it, don't we? Yeah. Well, the uh, the last one, Jenny's Revenge, the fifth one that's just out now, mm-hmm. it's not even out in print. It's been out in ebook format for a while, but it's not out. Okay. Not made the print version yet. Do you feel like you've learned anything from your writing? Yeah, I feel like um, I've learned an enormous amount uh, about myself and also um, about Western history of the country uh, and the development of the frontier. I think I've learned a lot. And, and I think one of the things that stands out, and one of the reasons why I, in the fourth book I went to um, New Jersey, is that there was a, a whole other frontier that was very active at this time. There was a, uh, and Thomas Edison was inventing the light bulb, and Telegraph uh, was compressing, I mean, it put the um, Pony Express out of business, and then trains were uh, making travel easy across the country, so space and time were being contracted for the first time in the history of man because they weren't traveling by horse anymore. It was actually a very exciting time in the history of the world. Do you have a favorite author? Yes, Stephen Hunter, I guess, would be my favorite at the moment. Uh, My favorite of all time is uh, Mark Twain, who I classify as a Western writer. Uh, Even though he was writing contemporary books that were about the Western frontier and characters in the Western frontier. And I uh, think books like uh, Roughing It by Twain and The Comstock Load by Drury and The Virginian by... Owen Weister. The reason I like those books is they were all written by people who actually experienced the West. Uh, they weren't writing from New York City, and they weren't writing from the 20th century. They were there and had seen it and wrote about what they saw. Have you ever gotten discouraged and just want to quit? Chuck it all in? No. No, 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 no I... <laughs> That's the problem is, is if, I, if I didn't sell anything, I'd probably still keep writing. I think we all get discouraged at times, but like, like you said, if you're an author, if you're a writer, you've got to keep writing. How do folks check you out on the Internet? Uh, they could use my name, James D. Best, and it'll take them on a Google search uh, both to my blog and to my website. Do you hear from your readers much, and what kind of things do they want to know about James Best? Yeah, I, I hear from the readers all the time, and they all have the exact same question. 
when is the next Steve Dancy book going to come out? So I should probably be writing faster, but i got a family life, too. You can't force it. It comes when it comes. You mentioned that you write maybe two, three hours a day, where you used to write ten hours a day. How about three o'clock in the morning? Does that happen to you? Never. Never. I'm asleep at three in the morning. (laughs) I know that my characters seem to control my life at times, even at three in the morning. I've had them interrupt when I'm on a walk or... um, uh, out in the water surfing or doing something else. But I, when I go to sleep, I, I usually read until I fall asleep, and then I'm solid, gone away. And I, and I usually read someone like Stephen Hunter. Folks can find you on Facebook. You've got a blog. You're on Amazon. you got another book coming out in about a year. What else do we need to know about James D. Best? Not a lot. I believe in storytelling, and I believe in character-driven stories. And I believe in, I guess what I call a flawed hero. Uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan of anti-heroes, but when I was a kid, I liked uh, Wanted Dead or Alive and Paladin, and I wasn't too hot on Roy Rogers and Gene Autry. So the wholesome hero was less attractive to me than someone who was a bounty hunter or a gun for hire or something like that. It was a little more of a flawed character, and that's what I write about now. We've enjoyed you being with us on the Wild West Showdown today, and I want to invite you to come back and visit sometime. I would be pleased to do that. All right, we'll talk to you later then. Okay, thank you. Bye. How about a little more original music? This is Michael McGregor singing You Ain't Where I'm From. Got your big jacked up truck Bet your son it ain't never stirred dust On a back road Around the Tennessee line Yeah, you got that tape Hang Junior 88 But you don't even know one damn line No, you don't know nothing about where I'm from, son Yeah, that small town back road Hanging where the corn grows dirt till the sun goes down nothing but a bonfire creek bank swinging off an old branch yeah what you think about that only one thing left i can say son you ain't where i'm from Never took a girl out on a tailgate and sat there till the morning sun came. Now I'll bet you had to get her home. Go check into your high rise, look out over that skyline. <laughs> Sit right here on the farm. Cause you don't know what you're missing, son. Yeah, that small town back road hand where the corn grows plowing that dirt till the sun goes down. Nothing by the bonfire creek bank swinging off an old branch. Yeah, what you think about that? Only one thing left I can say, son. You ain't where I'm from. Yeah. No, you ain't. Yeah, you 
city lines I'll stay right here and keep my starry nights In that small town back road Hanging where the corn grows Plowing that dirt till the sun goes down Nothing but a bonfire creek bank Swinging off an old branch Yeah, what you think about that? Only one thing left I can see, son Ain't where I'm from No, you ain't We want to give a great big shout out to our special guest, James D. Best and to our two wonderful singers, Nicole Unser and Michael McGregor, for their great songs. You can find these two young people on YouTube, Facebook, basically all over the Internet. You know, I sure hate to close the show when there's so much more to do, but we'll have to save it for next time. Tune in next week for another episode of the Wild West Showdown. But until then, listen up, all you cowboys. Never miss a good chance to shut up. This is the old cowboy saying adios and happy trails. Come on back next week to the Wild West Showdown with the old cowboy J.C. Holsey.